You are now listening to Vibe Selection with Kyra, where you can get the real on today's hot topics. Welcome, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Vibe Selection. I am your host, Kyra, and today I have joining me with me psychic medium Annie Larson. Annie is a renowned psychic medium who has been publishing countless magazines such as the Washington Post and Posh Magazine. She's also been on countless TV shows and podcasts. And today I will be discussing with Annie her journey into becoming a psychic medium and how she uses her gifts as an astrologer, Reiki healer, and life coach as a guidance for healing for others. So how are you doing today, Miss Annie? I'm doing very well, Kyra. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you for joining me today. So I kind of wanted to first get into a little bit of your background. So tell me a little bit about yourself and um, how you got and where you grew up. So I grew up, um, I'm, I'm a native Washingtonian. So I was born in D.C. and then grew up in Northern Virginia, but moved around a lot. My dad was military, so I caught the tail end of the moves and living uh, overseas. We lived in France and England for a while, which was interesting for a medium to live in England. Mm-hmm. Um, but my dad, when he retired, we settled back into the Northern Virginia area, which is where I am now. It seems like I'm always drawn back to Northern Virginia. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. go ahead. Oh, no, no. I will finish your thought. Oh, I was just going to say I'm the youngest of uh, seven kids. Wow. So you come from a very large family. So what draws you back to Virginia? What, what, what do you feel like is turning you back to Virginia or has over the years? I think when you grow up in Northern Virginia, it's so convenient here. If you want to be in the mountains, you can be in the mountains within an hour and a half. You can be in the ocean within an hour and a half. Like everything is so convenient. And I absolutely adore Washington, D.C. You know, we call it a sleepy southern town here, even though it's, you know, politically active. But I love that D.C. doesn't have any tall skyscrapers. You know, there's kind of this unwritten rule that nothing gets built taller than the Washington Monument. So it's not like the big cities of New York and L.A. I just love the the sleepy feeling and the architecture and and the oldness about Washington, D.C. Yeah, that's awesome. So it's almost kind of like, you know, your home. It's, it's cozy. It's something that you can come back to that's warm as compared to some of the big cities like L.A. or kind of the Bay Area, would you say? Oh, definitely. But I do love San Francisco. That's, that is another, if I could have my way, that's one of the areas I would drop everything and move to San Francisco. I, I, it really resonates with me there, especially with, you know, you can be near the ocean in no time you're on the ocean. And then um, being in Mere Woods, the proximity to Sausalito and Mere Woods and driving up uh, the PCH. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a nice little cozy town, plus it has a lot of history in it, living in the yeah. Bay Area. So, so when, okay, so you're a medium. When did you start having your first experiences with someone on the other side? And what made you aware of your abilities? What's interesting why I mentioned I'm the youngest of seven, because I have older family members who um, were into the metaphysical, the occult, much, you know, much earlier, I was exposed to a lot of stuff at a young age at, um, you know, five is probably my first remembrance of having spirit around me. And uh, my sister had gone to a seance. And at the seance, um, they had said that she would have a visit by uh, a spirit. And so she came home, Uh, We had separate rooms, but she came into my room and said, would you come in and sleep with me tonight? I'm supposed to have a spirit visit. And I'm five years old going, yeah, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I went in and and into her room. She had a double bed and I was on one side. She's on the other. And I hate smells. Like I, I think that's one thing with psychics and mediums, especially mediums, just smells drive us absolutely nuts. So I don't like scents very much at all. And my, um, 
uh, I got a real strong smell in the room, like sweet, sickening perfume. And I said to my sister, what kind of perfume are you wearing? And it's disgusting, like wash it off. And she said, I'm not wearing any perfume. (laughs) I said, oh, okay. And then we heard something in the corner and I knew that there was a spirit in the corner of the room. The room was dark. And Um, I heard like rustling and then I knew the spirit got up. I know it was a woman too. She got up and she was like right next to me in the bed. And so, you know, I was scared and excited at the same time because I had been feeling stuff around me, Mm -hmm. but I didn't quite know. And, you know, when you're growing up, everyone tells you it's just your imagination, right? Exactly. So um, I was excited about this because, ooh, now, now I'm getting confirmation that, you know, my sister feels it, smells it, too. And so we were both scared. Uh, I kind of ducked under the covers and, you know, curled up next to my sister, who's 10 years older than me. And she just said, start praying. And I fell asleep. So that's all I remember. But that was kind of my first confirmation of something's here and I have confirmation because there's another human here and they're not telling me it's just my imagination. Yeah. So, okay. You said that your sister and some of your um, other family members were kind of into the occult. What made them get into the occult or be interested in it? And were they someone that had abilities themselves? Is it a lineage of family members that you have that you feel like you got your abilities from? No question. I think, um, you know, in doing some of the the family lineage and stuff, um, my family is mostly from Scandinavia, from Finland and Sweden. And where we're from is uh, more of the Laplands. Mm -hmm. And in talking with uh, shaman and other people from the Laplands and where I'm from, they're like, you probably have that lineage of being a shaman. Mm-hmm. which would be, you know, like a medicine person or a healer or something along those lines. Shaman is, you know, a loose term I'll use because actually it's a, you know, a Russian term. Mm-hmm. But um, I think because of that lineage, you know, we have sensitivities. And I don't know what drew some of my family members to the occult. You know, we were raised in a very religious home, mm-hmm. which none of this was accepted. Mm-hmm. But I actually think my mom... And my grandmother on my dad's side both had abilities, but I believe they ran away from them. They, they wouldn't acknowledge them probably because of their religious backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So I also grew up in a pretty um, religious background, uh, uh, religious household. Um, I come from a Christian background. And yeah. like you said, over the, you know, in this particular religion, you're not supposed to dabble in, you know, the metaphysical world or esoterics or anything like that. But do you feel like spirituality and metaphysics is versed in the same thing? Do, do you believe religion and spirituality are and, and like connected with one another? Or do you feel like there is a difference between the two? I don't, I don't know how I would answer that. The one thing I can say when I look at Christianity and reading the Bible, if you look at Jesus, like he's our first medium. Mm. So if you look at that, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at some of the Gnostic uh, Bibles too, some of the stuff that didn't make it into um, the uh Bible of today, we have uh, Mary telling us that we don't need priests. We don't need somebody to connect with the divine or connect with God. I call it the universe. Uh, That we can do that directly through ceremony and prayer. We can have that direct connection. But I don't think that sits well with churches that, you know, they're supported financially and this is how they make their living. And I don't think priests would really appreciate that they're not needed to have that divine connection. So I think religion just kind of mucks things up. But spirituality, you know, spirituality to me is just devoid of religion. It's kind of that connection with whatever you feel lifts your heart. Mm -hmm. I would definitely agree on that. I believe that they are definitely uh, connected to one another because like you said, if you go back in reading the Bible and things that were left out ultimately of the Bible, that you would see that there is a lot of connection between the two. And if you read the Bible, a lot of people would kind of realize and figure out that most of it has a lot of esoteric meaning. There is a lot of, you know, witchcraft 
So people would say inside of it, there's a lot of magic that goes into the Bible as well. So it's almost kind of funny to me how people look at it, look at it as something that is of demon. It's very demonized when people look at religion and dabbling into spirituality. I mean, when you read the Bible, you're casting a spell ultimately, you know, when you go to church, you do the offerings where you're, you know, drinking the blood of Christ and eating his flesh. So it just, you know, it, it's something that I feel like I, I wish a lot of people would have a, a better open mind when it comes to it. But at some point, you over the years, you kind of opening up to your abilities, you kind of decided to shut down. What was a particular incident that made you kind of shut off your abilities? You can never shut off your abilities. If you have them, all you can do is ignore them, but you can't shut them off. There's just no way. I did shut down in my late 20s. I never talk about it because I never want to invite back in some of the things that happened to me. So I just don't talk about it. Uh, I actually was um, a practicing psychic and medium uh, well into my 20s and in my late 20s had some bad experiences and then just didn't offer my services anymore. I still got stuff for people. You, you can't help it. You can't stop yourself from being who you are. Mm-hmm. So uh, it wasn't until about a decade or more ago that uh, I started having profound experiences that were so overwhelming that they were punching a hole into my my little world of, you know, non-mediumship, of not practicing, of not psychically giving people information, you know, as a as as for a living. But um Things got so overwhelming that I actually had to surrender to this and literally like on my knees surrendering and just saying to the universe, okay, if this is what I'm supposed to do, that's fine. I need to be shown the way and it needs to happen in a way that that doesn't scare me. And that's what happened. You know, I was baby stepped back into this. And I think what resonated with me when I started doing readings again was that I saw the healing that happened. So when you bring somebody's loved one in and maybe they didn't have a chance to say goodbye or maybe they were a suicide and nobody knows why people commit suicide and you have a spirit who comes in and shares information and lets you know there's that continuation of life on the other side and that there's forgiveness and healing in a reading that I could physically see it on their face and energetically, you know, as a Reiki master too, could feel that energy shift. And so for me, then I started understanding, oh, I get this now, you know, this is really a healing um, way to help people. So I see it as a path of, of healing and healing from trauma. Um, so that's what, that's what brought me back into it and kind of shifted how I felt. And the bad experiences and stuff, I actually came to an understanding of it by meeting so many other psychic mediums um, who were probably more practiced than me and could help me, mentor me through these bad experiences. Well, that's wonderful. So, I mean, ultimately, it was one of your true callings, because even though you try to shut it off, they were they were still knocking on the door saying, Annie, we need you. (laughs) You know, yeah, it's 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 really interesting. Yeah, they never stop knocking. You just you just ignore it. And I'm sure there are a lot of people out there. I know with my own kids, they get stuff and they're grown children now, but it's they're still in that it, it scares me. I think they're stepping out of that it scares me because that's kind of how society raises us, right? If you can't see it, feel it and touch it, it doesn't exist. But I always laugh and I'm like, can you see Wi-Fi? Can you see electricity? Can you see radio frequencies? No, but we know it's out there, right? Absolutely. So it's interesting to me how people view psychic and mediumship. But I, I kind of uh, have just come to the conclusion in my life, I don't really care. I was made fun of a lot as a kid because I was very different in school, especially going to a Catholic school uh, and having lots of experiences as a child. But, um, yeah. So, okay, there is a difference between being a psychic and being a medium. And there's so many different names. And what a lot of people don't know, I feel like, is that 
just because you're a psychic doesn't mean that you're going to be versed in astrology or like you said, how you do Reiki. So what would you say is the difference between a psychic and a medium so that people have a better idea of the two? Because they're not always correlated with one another. Some people are a little yeah. bit more intuitive too. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I always explain it as intu- intuition. We all have it and it's getting things for yourself. And then psychic is, and again, I think we all have it, and it's getting things for other people. You know, you may sit down next to somebody and go, ooh, I'm picking up. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you're having a bad day or having a great day, or maybe you'll um, see things around them and uh, be able to explain to them. And then mediumship is um, speaking to loved ones on the other side. So all mediums are psychic, but not all psychics are mediums. Mm-hmm. And in mediumship, you're not you're having an active and open communication with spirit. Spirit only has so much time to share energy with you. They come in and they share, you know, evidential information um, so that the, your your client knows who it is and then can share messages if they have a message. Everybody wants a message. Sometimes spirit doesn't have a message. I'm like, them just showing up is the message. (laughs) So, but it's an active conversation. I think people confuse that. I think there are a lot of people out there calling themselves mediums. They're actually doing psychic work. Uh, You should be able to uh, take on the personality of the person who's coming through, of the spirit that's coming through. You should be able to have mannerisms. You should be able to ask questions and get answers. It's an active communication. Mm-hmm. So, okay, you said when spirits come to you, sometimes they have messages and sometimes they may not. But how do you channel these spirits in order to receive the messages? You ask. You have a conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you want to share with your loved one today? Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, it, and, and again, you know, I always say, I don't know how all of this works on the other side, but when I die, I'll come back and haunt everyone and tell everyone, you know, how this all works. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if you've seen this show. It was on NBC. I believe it only had one season and then they canceled it. It was called The In Between, which was a paranormal show. Um, and it was based around a woman who had abilities, but she was also a detective. So she used her abilities and being a medium to ultimately get answers and solve murders that pe- for people that had passed on. But in the, the, the stage where she was trying to figure out what was going on, you know, in these murder investigations, there was a period of someone being in the in-between. So have you ever heard of the term in, in-between before? And what is the transitional period when someone passes over? Do they go right away to the other side or do they stay in a life form? Or what is kind of the process that happens after someone passes on? It's interesting that you ask that because when I'm doing readings, I typically will know how long ago they passed. Mm -hmm. And that's just from doing this for so long that you know when someone's been gone for more than 30 years, you know, when someone just passed, mm-hmm. you know, when someone's been gone, I, I typically have the, you've been gone for less than a year. You've been gone between three and five years. You've been gone, you know, seven to 10, that type of stuff. And it's, I, I can't explain how you know that it's just working with spirit for so long. You've got these tells for lack of a better word, but when you're talking about the in-between, I can, I can look to um, Eastern religion for this. I can look to Buddhism and to Hinduism and in Buddhism, you know, we call it in the bardo. So it's kind of that, you know, maybe limbo state in in Catholicism, purgatory type, you know, and all of these have negative connotations, if you ask me. Mm -hmm. But I think when spirit passes, I think that they walk the earth for two to three weeks to say their goodbyes. That's what I've noticed. And then after three weeks, they kind of disappear. I don't know where they're going, But I know that they typically are able to communicate between six and nine months afterwards. And 
one of the things that I say to people too is after three weeks, and if you look at Hinduism too, you know, we want to make sure that spirit doesn't stay earthbound. So when I was in Varanasi in, in India and Pashaparanath in, in Nepal, these are both places where they burn the bodies because that's what you do in, in the Hindu religion. And they actually um, get to a point where they crack the skull open and then spirit is released. And they have to make sure that nobody there will be sad or cry because they don't want spirit to stay earthbound. So I think that there, there could be a process where spirit stays earthbound. I'm not quite sure. Maybe these are the ghosts that we talk about, for lack of a better word. But when people pass, I always say, you know, let them go. Let them go and do what they're supposed to do, and you're supposed to be going through your grieving process. A lot of times in this in this period between the time that they passed over and the three-week period, a lot of people will get telephone calls um, from, you know, no one, or their lights will start flickering, or they'll have people in their dreams. And I think that all of those are visits. I think spirits coming back and saying their goodbyes. Mm-hmm. So, okay, you've done paranormal investigations. Yes. When you've done these investigations, um, have you dealt with many unruly spirits? And why is why is it, does it transition, does this go back to your point about certain spirits staying earthbound sort of because of the fact that, you know, someone is kind of holding them there? Or is this just old energy that just needs to be released in the house and they're not transitioning over because they don't want to? Because I know oftentimes a lot of the spirits, they have the abilities to decide whether or not they want to transition over. So is it them just being stubborn and not wanting to go? Or what is the reason for the hauntings at some of these places that you've gone to and experienced? Well, you know, I watch a lot of the paranormal shows, which I find a lot of them, you know, really hysterical. Um, I think that, you know, in doing these shows, they have to find something, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But when people say, oh, this is the most haunted home and everyone's been there, I'm like, really, do you want spirit to be released? Because then wouldn't all these shows be over? (laughs) True. One of the things I will say about spirit, and because I do a lot of house clearings, and right now I'm doing a lot of house clearings, I think because it's the end of 2020 and people are like, oh, just, just clear the energy of the house, you know, let's just have this fresh start. But in doing them, there's differences between um, spirit that you know is there, and then sometimes it's residual energy. It's just kind of an imprint in the house of something tragic that happened. So maybe somebody was murdered and there's that imprint, you know, that really strong energy of that imprint. And you have to decipher if something's an imprint or if you actually have spirit. And that's where being a medium helps tremendously. You know, instruments may show there's energy here, but the medium's going to have a conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Um what else were you saying about the energies? Uh, so I had, um, I did one recently and I had spirit in the basement, kind of in the um, a storage area of the house in the corner. And I actually posted because you can see all kinds of orbs and stuff. So there was some physical evidence through cameras, but spirit shows up in cameras for me. That started happening about a decade ago too. Um, But I think the spirit was there. Didn't mail, didn't mean any harm to anybody. I just think he was attached to the land. It was comfortable there and he stayed hidden because it was comfortable there. He doesn't want to give up his attachment to the land. Now, why are they attached? I don't know. You know, maybe, Maybe he was a soldier who died suddenly and he's just kind of a little lost. And so he's comfortable in this home. Now, when people come down, they have all kinds of activity to the point where, you know, I always look at the cats and dogs because they see spirit and they, Mm -hmm. they understand what's going on in the house, but they have this big, beautiful cat and the cat wouldn't enter this room to save its life. And there were some dead mice down there that would be a yummy little treat for a cat. Right. Mm -hmm. And the cats were the cat was like, nope, not coming in. So after I did, you know, some of the clearing that I do, the cat actually entered the room before I left. I don't think, at least for me, I'm not drawn 
to try to cross spirit over or to make them go somewhere else. I'm, I've never been drawn to that. I kind of feel like you're comfy cozy here. You scare everyone because you don't want anyone making you leave this room. So you rattle doors and you break equipment. In fact, all of the things that they had in this room, they had like their HVAC and their hot water heater. Spirit, I know, was having an influence in breaking things that were brand spanking new. Mm -hmm. So that was costing the homeowner. So it's just kind of going in and saying, you know, you need to cool your jets. Mm -hmm. uh, you, You don't have to leave, but you can't stay here. I'm not going to tell you where to go. And if you're going to stay here, then you have to learn how to live in harmony with human because your time is done. Mm -hmm. Your time is over. You are on the other side. You're in another dimension and quit popping back in here and scaring everyone. Mm -hmm. So this actually gets me into another conversation that I had with a friend um, and he does paranormal investigations and he has a little whole paranormal team and so forth. And he was telling me that there have been more, you know, paranormal activity than before over the last 10 years. And I was kind of asking, you know, well, what do you think are some of the reasons for, you know, this height in, you know, in paranormal activity when it comes to people? And one thing that he did bring up is that a lot of people do not believe in anything. There's a lot of people that are receiving some of these hauntings, not just because there is residual energy from a spirit that may have passed on some time ago or recently, but because there's a lot of people that don't believe in a higher power or in the universe in general, which causes the negative entities to like to invade some of these spaces. And so then you have all this paranormal activity that goes on and then you have to do the clearings and so forth. Do you feel like that's kind of an accurate concept to say that a lot of people nowadays don't believe also, so it allows for negative entities or other entities to enter in a home and ultimately kind of cause chaos and turn it upside down? I think there's something to that. A couple of years ago, it's probably three years ago now, I was called into a home where the owner collected Nazi memorabilia. Mm, wow. And most of the activity was in and around the Nazi memorabilia. And I said, it was a strange collection for me. It was, you know, full of, full of sorrow, full of, full of not good things. So for me, I said, you have got to remove this from your home. This, this just can't live in your home because you're going to attract the negativity of what the Nazis stood for, you know, killings and, and all of that. And so they didn't want to remove it. They still have activity to this day. And I'm like, there's no amount of clearing that I'm going to try to do until you remove it. I think he removed um, some of it to his barn, but he still has activity. But, you know, he's drawn to that. He's drawn to, for whatever reason, maybe he's got a past life there. Who knows? But um, I think you can attract and draw things into your home. I don't want to scare people, though, you know, because I believe that if you walk in light, like you attract light. So if you walk in the negative, if you're out there raping, pillaging and living this horrible life, guess what you're going to attract? You know, you're going to attract that. So I think like attracts like. Um, it was funny, too. Last week when I was in this basement, there were dead mice because they have a, a lot of um, mice in the area that they're trying to, you know, get rid of. And I said, you need to remove dead things from this room every day. It, it can't sit here until the exterminator comes. So I want you, as gross as it is, I want you to just collect because we have a spirit here and then things keep dying in this room. <laughs> we want to clear all of that out. Exactly. We don't need any of that residualness hanging right. around or lingering anywhere. <laughs> well, the other thing, too, I don't think that people really realize is that fear feeds these spirits. Absolutely. So the more fearful you are, the more you're going to feed that energy. Mm -hmm. That is definitely very accurate. It's all about the type of mindset that you have. So if you're living in fear of everything and everyone every day, then like you said, it would ultimately attract the dark side and negative things are able to kind of come in and, you know, manipulate a little bit more. 
than someone else. Yeah, but I, I don't want people to think just because they're a negative person that they've got negative spirits around them. It's, you know, there's, I think there's more to it than that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to put a fear base out in the universe right now. But, you know, if people have activity in their home, as, as I say on my website, you know, most of that activity, it, it's usually a relative. <laughs> they've come to say, hey. Yeah, but mindset is everything. So it is important yeah. also for people to think positive. I know that with so much going on in the world currently in today's state of, you know, events that there's a lot of, you know, negativity that is kind of going out there. So it is important for people to, even in tough times like this, to try to transition their focus into something positive because there is definitely something, there is positivity that has came out of the situation and the term of the, the, the events that have gone on so far with the whole COVID and the pandemic and everything that has been happening in this past year. So, you know, mind over matter is what I like to say. But when you're, when you're channeling oftentimes, well, when, yeah, when you're channeling, do you often use tarot cards or do you kind of like to do a little bit of both or is it only if someone requests for it when you're trying to connect with the spirit? So I don't use anything to connect with the spirit except for myself. Um, tarot cards I use, I'll use psychically. People like tarot cards. I've been reading them since I was 12 years old. So I definitely have a connection, but to me, they're, that's just a divination tool. It's a distraction. Mm -hmm. So if you're a psychic and a medium, there's no tools that you need to be a psychic and a medium. Uh, you may have, you know, something that helps you like tarot cards. Mm -hmm. Sometimes if I want to, I use tarot cards with, to do psychic readings and delve a little bit deeper into what their higher self is trying to tell me. So that's, that's the only time I use tarot cards. Some people really like them too and, and request tarot card readings and that's fine. But for mediumship, no, I, I quite honestly don't see how tarot cards could connect with mediumship because I, I don't understand that connection there of um, why I would use tarot cards to do mediumship. Makes sense. So where was, where was the most kind of random place that a spirit has appeared to you? Do they kind of just pop up whenever or how does that whole situation work? I see spirit everywhere. So I go into the grocery store and everyone's hanging around. They're relatives. Mm -hmm. you know, I see spirit everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's, it's kind of like, uh, especially when the veil gets really, really thin. Um, we had the uh, lunar eclipse on November 30th in uh, Gemini. And that, that was crazy how thin the veil gets where, you know, spirit looks almost as plain as human looks. I remember I used to go to this place where uh, I chanted and uh, I like bhakti yoga, which is devotional yoga and it's chanting. And I just love getting into that really high vibration through sound. Mm -hmm. So I, it, it was this place out, uh, it's by me, but kind of a little bit in um, the country. So, you know, the back roads aren't really well lit. And after being in this like really high vibration of chanting, I'd have to ground myself to drive home. And as I was driving, you know, people were leaving this, uh, the, the chant, um, the, the bhakti yoga and the kirtan. And um, I would have to assume that everything I saw was human because I had so many spirits on the road at the same time. And I couldn't tell the difference between human and spirit. So as I would drive on these dark roads, I'm like, okay, I have to assume everything's human or else I'm going to be running people over. But I think it's because of the place itself. There's a lot of spirits in the place itself. And then being in that really, you know, blissed out place from, from coming from Kiraton. Wow, that's amazing. But I mean, that's a little scary to be driving on the road and almost think you're hitting a person, you know, and get blind. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's why you assume they're all human. Mm -hmm. And they were at one at one point. They were incarnate at one point. Mm -hmm. So so I, I know that you just mentioned just being grounded is important for you. And I know that being a medium or a psychic or intuitive, that you have, you're surrounded by many different types of energies. So it's important to pr 
practice, you know, energetic protection. So what are some of the things that you do in order to protect your energetic field from maybe negative spirits or after a reading and being open to everybody's energies? What is something that you do to stay grounded? I don't believe in protection in any way, shape or form. I believe if you walk in light, you're not going to worry about it. Um, when I do a reading, when I have people, the moment I disconnect, I don't remember a thing about what was just said. I don't remember my readings. They're not for me. Um, I don't know. I don't do anything. I, I don't believe in protection. Um, I think it's just nonsense. But, you know, if people feel like they need to protect themselves, then yay you and you should do something. But I think it's kind of like... You don't turn on and off mediumship. You don't turn on and off psychic. It's, you bring it forward. You know, in, in tantric yoga, we talk about uh, second sight. And second sight is always there. It's just whether you're going to allow the second sight to rise up, to use it. So it's always available. Everything's always available in there. So I don't, you know, there's no turning off. I hate to say that. I know people want to hear that, but there's no turning off any of this. Mm-hmm. No, I meant in in terms of, you know, because when you do this type of work, you have to stay grounded. So what are some of the things that you do to stay grounded? Do you bubble up? Do you bring in, you know, the energy, yeah. the earth or any of that? No, I don't do any of that. Um, every morning I practice yoga. So that's kind of, you know, the purification process for your body, mind and spirit. Um, so it's a great grounding practice. Um, and just following the yogi path is probably what I do to take care of myself. Um, I just completed, in fact, I, I completed it yesterday, my um, yoga teacher training 500 hour. So it's a, it's a big accomplishment. But um, yoga is probably the thing I use the most to stay grounded and centered. And you know, it's interesting in yoga, you know, the path of yoga, you're supposed to become psychic. You're supposed to become what they call these cities, which are, are um, psychics, but you're not supposed to use it in the way that I use it. You know, you're supposed to use it for yourself to connect in more to the universe. I think that's why I've always been drawn to yoga because yogis, you know, if you talk about being a psychic or medium, nobody cares. They're like, yeah, whatever. We're all that. <laughs> so, so, mm-hmm. so, with, so with you being a certified yoga instructor, what are some tips on how others can find their inner Zen, I would say, in order to meditate? Because I know that I kind of have problems with trying to find my inner peace and kind of clear my mind in order to focus and channel whatever messages come through. So what are some tips for other people that are doing yoga that would like to channel? or that just like to meditate, to clear their mind? Probably the, the first thing, because I teach meditation in many different forms, but the first thing I tell people is stop judging your meditation practice. Like, it's, it's all good. You're right where you need to be. The one thing I tell people, you know, most of my information comes in, in the really quiet times when I'm showering. Oh my God, you know, I'll have everyone come in like, Hey, we're here. (laughs) And um, one of the really funny ones, uh, funny as an interesting, not funny as in, you know, it was funny. I was uh, getting out of the shower and I heard a train whistle loud. Like I thought it was in the house train whistle. And I said, Oh, my next reading, I knew it was for my next reading. And I said, I have a young boy, I think he's eight or nine. And I'm out in a field. I know that there's a hill there. There's a loud train whistle. And I know that the train has something to do with him. I believe this is how he passed. And that was exactly right. Her younger brother had been killed by a train. Wow. So was there a period of him needing to transition over and just leave a message behind? Or what was the the reading itself? I think everyone everyone comes through for a reason, you know, like unfinished business. Those are the ones that tend to come through. And uh, sadly with this one, um, I, it was really hard. I said, uh, I just want you to know that he's telling me he didn't intend for this to happen. 
and that he felt a, a push from behind. Wow. He was pushed into the train. So, you know, he's telling me this. I know nothing about this, you know, her younger brother. Mm-hmm. And it always was a mystery. I guess the younger brother had a cousin. Mm-hmm. And they believed but couldn't prove that the cousin had pushed the younger brother into the train. You know, probably a childhood joke or screwing around or something. And so sharing that message, you know, how cathartic was that for my client mm-hmm. to know that her brother didn't intentionally do it? It wasn't an accident. And just as the family had believed for decades uh, that he was pushed and unfortunately by a relative, but it wasn't with malice. That's, I mean, that's a tough situation to have to come to the reality of, you know, especially like you said, it being a relative and someone really close to you, you ultimately want to know that when you're hanging around loved ones that you're going to be safe and protected. And that's just an awful situation, you know. But it wasn't out of malice. It's not like the cousin purposely did it. I think it was young boys screwing around. Mm -hmm. Sad. So I know that you were taught past life regressions by one of my favorites, renowned psychiatrist, hypnotherapist, and specialized past life regressionist, uh, Dr. Brian Weiss. I know he's wrote many books, um, including one of my favorites, Many Lives, Many Masters. How did you get in the connection with Dr. Weiss and what led you to want to explore past life regression? I started doing past life regressions long before I studied with him. And one of the ways in that I did uh, the past life regression was using yoga nidra, which is this divine sleep where you take people into a really deep, relaxed state where they can just kind of let go. And doing this with yoga nidra was great, but I wanted to have more of a rapid way of doing it. And Brian Weiss is getting up there in years. And I wanted to be trained by one of the best. So I went to one of his uh, long seminars. um, I think it was five or seven days to be trained by him, you know, using hypnosis. So I have hypnosis and then I have a meditative way of bringing people in. I really believe it it helps us relieve, you know, trauma from past lives into this life. And I'll give you a for example. So I had a client that I took um, took through a past life and um, she was in England Mm -hmm. and she was, uh, uh, the Romans were coming. She was a Druid. In fact, she was ahead of the Druids. And the, the English were coming. The English army were coming to destroy them. And she did some type of spell or whatever and sacrificed some of her people and ate their brains wow. to try to stop the Romans from coming. It didn't happen. The Romans slaughtered them anyway. Well, in present life, she has an eating disorder. And so for me, there was a profound connection. I'm not a therapist or anything. And, and she, she, she's, she was in therapy, so I wasn't, you know, worried about that. But um, when she came back, like, that was profound. You don't want to eat in this lifetime. Well, maybe she was the head of the Druids. She made the sacrifice. Like, it weighed so heavily on her that she brought that karma into this life. And if she can release that karma from this life, you know, maybe things will change. Mm-hmm. I definitely believe that. I know I've had my fair share of karmic experiences. They've been more versed around karmic relationships, but it's interesting how something so big like that of someone eating their eating someone's brains from a past life can trans- trickle on down to their present life where they actually have an eating disorder which is very interesting. So, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting how the universe works in that respect of that sometimes you owe things that you've done in your past, how you can owe that in your present life. So I think that's... Bring, bring that karma in, yeah, for sure. But it's all for, for the greater good in learning lessons in life. So that's amazing. I, I believe that. I believe it, in this lifetime, you know, we're all trying to figure out why we're here, that sole purpose, why we're here, what are we doing, mm-hmm. and trying to leave this earth, you know, to stop the cycle of birth and death. I mean, I want to 
go into nirvana, I don't want to come back. I hope that I'm stopping the cycle of, you know, birth and death. I'm not sure how much of a choice I get, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying. Yeah, that's all you can't do is try, you know, it's trial and error. That's all it's about. So you also do Reiki. So what exactly, break down to me what Reiki is for people that may not know or understand. So Reiki is simply channeling the life force energy to uh, help bring balance into somebody's energetic body. Uh, it's probably the best way to explain it. My favorite way to explain it is it's, you know, if you've seen Star Wars, it's the force. So you're kind of plugging in, you know, when you plug in a lamp, you're plugging into electricity, but you don't quite know how the electricity works, nor do you care, right? You're just like, oh, plug it in, lamp works. And Reiki is just tapping into that energy or tapping into that Wi-Fi and telling that Wi-Fi to, hey, come here and give that great life force energy here and do your thing to bring harmony back to this person because disease, disease is about things being out of balance. And, you know, in yoga, we talk about this a lot, that you want to stay in harmony. That's why you practice yoga, because you want to stay in a balanced state, which we call a sadhvic state. You want to be in that balance so that you don't have things um, causing dis-ease. Mm-hmm. Wow. So how is it useful to other people that may be interested in receiving Reiki? Um, Reiki right now with COVID, it can be received distantly and so distantly. And so people can have a session, you know, via phone. Um, usually before COVID, people would come into my office and have a session where they lay down on a Reiki table, which is just a padded massage table. They stay fully clothed. And then you just kind of channel the energy and they have a session for maybe half an hour to an hour. And a lot of people feel differently. I had a a client, I actually knew her um, through uh, our kids' school, and she came to me for Reiki, and nobody ever tells me anything when they walk in. I really don't want to know too much about people when they walk in. And um, when she was up on the table, I detected that she was having female issues and she has a really bad case of endometriosis. Mm -hmm. And so channeled, you know, did my thing, channeled Reiki. She left. um, The endometriosis subsided and she stopped having cramps and she stayed symptom free. And every time she starts having symptoms of it, she comes back for Reiki. So it's, it's interesting, you know, to me, like, I don't think about, you know, you're just the, you're, you're just the vessel, you're just the one who's there holding space for somebody else. I'm not really involved in what's happening with them or, or how it's going about, like you, you put your ego aside, right? And so with her, she didn't even really believe in Reiki, but I think she was at a point in her life where she was in so much pain, she would try anything. And that's typically how people come to me for Reiki, is trying these alternative healing methods. And so, um, you know, she's she's written to me and, and told me. She, she doesn't know how it worked, what I did, but she knows that she's symptom-free. Wow, that's awesome. So Reiki has a lot of healing properties. Oh, absolutely. That's that's the sole purpose, really, for Reiki is for healing and calming anxiety. Mm-hmm. So I know that you brought up the fact that you do um, house clearing for people. So what is the process in conducting one and how does someone know if whether or not they need to actually have a house clearing? Um, if, if you're feeling like the energy's stale in your house or you're just like things aren't going well, maybe you're having a run of bad luck and you just want to blow out that energy that's, you know, maybe stagnant in your home. A lot of people call me because they're actually having paranormal activity in their home. They're having, you know, like hot water heaters, uh, you know, go out brand, that they're brand new and they're, they're going out and then having their HVAC go out you know, three days later. Or, or they're having, they feel like someone's in the room with them while they're sleeping. 
Um, they see things out of the corners of their eyes. They smell things. So they're having paranormal activity and they want to know what it is. So for me, like, um, I know that, that uh, people that investigate, it's interesting and fascinating, but I always say, well, where's the medium who can go, Tom's in the corner there and Tom wants to tell you, <laughs> you know, um, but going in and just kind of uh, calming the energy, letting people know what's there and if they could, should be concerned. I, I've, I really haven't had anywhere where I'm overly concerned about what's in the house. In my um, early 20s, I was called in to a house in a very old part of Northern Virginia, a much older home, very well-known home. And they had silver plates mounted in the dining room and they were literally flying across the room. So that's, that's a lot of activity in the house. So I went in and sat in the dining room and it was the woman's husband who had passed. And they, I said, you see that chair over in the corner? He's mad that his chair isn't at the table anymore. Put his chair back at the head of the table (laughs) and this activity will stop. And I described him and I told him the knee problems that I had, that he had, and that, um, you know, how he passed. She did what I said. It was a correction, putting, putting his chair back at the head of the table, all the activity stopped. Wow. Just as simple as that. He just wanted to be at the table, huh? (laughs) Exactly. And, and I'm like, you know, he's got enough energy to be taking your silver plates, valuable silver plates and flinging them across the room. Like he wants to be known. He wants to be heard. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I, he was definitely heard and he had his place at the table ultimately. Exactly. But that's a simple correction. And that takes a medium to say, Hey, you know, what's going on here? Like, you know, if people did a paranormal investigation, I'm sure that maybe they would have captured the flying silver plates, but what are they going to do to calm that energy? Absolutely. Wow. That's powerful. So how often should someone do an energetic clearing of their home? Do you feel like people should do it whether they're moving to a new place every time or just when there's activity, actually paranormal activity that happens within the home? I think anytime you're moving into a new home, if you, again, I'll go back to some of these religions and stuff, you know, in in Hinduism, when you're moving into a new home, you do uh, a house clearing, a house blessing, right? Welcoming, having the old energy leave, having new energy coming in. So anytime, and I do a lot of those where people haven't moved in yet and I'll go through and help clear that energy. Otherwise, I always tell people, use your intuition. We're all intuitive. Like you, Use your intuition if you think you need a Reiki session or you think you need a house clearing or you think you want to see a psychic medium because that's going to lead you not only to uh, the best place where you should do it, but who you should do it with, right? Mm -hmm. Most people that get in touch with me always tell me, I had a feeling about you. Well, of course, because I think spirit's working with us to connect the two of us together because maybe we're a good fit. So use your intuition and, you know, new houses too would always be good to do house clearings. I would agree. I've definitely had a, a few house clearings that I've had to do over the, over the years in the current place that I'm at. I did one. So it's necessary. Even some of the furniture that I had in my house was used and I decided to clear it out and sage it. So that way I get out of that residual energy from whoever the previous owner was. So I definitely think that it comes in handy, especially when you're moving to a new place, you know, set the tone. Yeah. And anything that you bring into your home, you should be mindful about that. You know, when we buy crystals, we clear crystals. Mm-hmm. And and we clear crystals because in uh, in ancient times they thought that uh, demons lived in the crystals, so that they had to clear out those demons from the crystals. So that's why we clear crystals to this day. But bringing new things, I think you're absolutely right. You bring in a new couch, and maybe it's used, and you want to. Um, for me, I put everything outside. I'm like, you just stay out here for a while and clear everything out unless it's raining. And then we'll bring you into the house. Yeah. So as far as crystals, what is the proper way to actually clear crystals? Because I think you're supposed to do them, what is it, every week? And you can put, in the, put, a, put them in the moonlight sometimes to help clear them? Um, 
If you, so I'm a fourth generation rock hound. This comes to me through lineage. So I have not only my parents, but their grandparents. And then on my husband's side, they've given me all of their rock collections too. So I have uh, a basement storage full of crystals. I couldn't imagine clearing them once a week. <laughs> what what I do though is we just had the lunar eclipse. I usually put them on my window sills because the moonlight will will be there. Eclipses are really strong energies. We have a solar eclipse coming up in the next two weeks. Actually it should be, I think it's the 16th. Um, but we have a solar eclipse and that's when I'll put the crystals out. Uh, I quit putting them fully outside because then when it rained, it became a mess. I, again, I have a lot of crystals. So windowsills are a great place to uh, clear them. And there's other ways. There's so many ways to clear crystals. Mm -hmm. So when you're not busy doing mediumship, what are some things that you like doing on your free time? Oh, wow. Um, well, yoga is probably, you know, a, a deep practice for me. Love doing that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, with COVID, there's so little I do now. Socializing. used to love to socialize and be with my friends, mm -hmm. but that's, uh, that's been a challenge this year. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a grandmother, so my granddaughter just turned a year old. I spend an awful lot of time with her. In fact, twice a week, I take myself off my schedule and I babysit her to uh, help out my, my kids. Mm -hmm. So this past year has really been all about granddaughter. Mm -hmm. Oh, sweet. Granddaughter, grandmother bonding time. Three generations. <laughs> love it. I love it. So you're also an astrologer and we're coming to the end of this year and it's been quite a challenging year. What can we expect in the forecast for the upcoming year of 2021? Well, I'm writing a lot about that now. Um, I have a published column in a magazine. In fact, in Posh Magazine, in the back of the cover is my horoscope. And I also uh, publish my horoscope um, on my blog, on my website. Um, but I'll talk about the endings. You know, where the winter solstice, December 21st, is going to be the last time that uh, Saturn and Jupiter uh, conjunct in Capricorn. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be another uh, powerful shift. And then they both um, go off to Aquarius, bringing in that Aquarian age on December 21st. So I, I wrote about this a while ago because for me, that was the prediction that Biden would win the presidential election, you know, looking at the astrology. And then one of the things that, that I think will be a huge movement is um, Mars has been in Aries for the past six months. And, you know, that's its native position. So it's been firing everything up. And I mean, quite literally, if you look, think of all the wildfires that we've had in uh, the United States um, and Australia. So Mars has had some uh, squares to some of these outer planets, Jupiter, Pluto, and Saturn, that really has fired things up. So especially with the pandemic, like every astrologer out there, we've been talking about this for the past four years. And what's going to happen. And everybody knew we were going to be in these really tumultuous times of pandemics and illness with Pluto. So um, on January 6th or 7th, I think it's the 6th, um, Mars leaves for Taurus. So we're going to get that fire energy out. Every two and a half years or so, Mars is stationed. It normally moves like every... Um, two and a half months, but it stayed stationary in Aries, and it does it about every two and a half years. So it really kind of wreaked havoc on everything, but it also had its benefits too, because it fires things up. It also, depending on your chart and where you are and, you know, what positions you had to Mars, it can also do things like fire up your love life. So maybe you found the love of your life this year, or maybe it fired up your financial sector. And so you're swimming in, you know, abundance right now. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess we have quite the year upcoming for us. We have a lot of things to expect for the upcoming year. Well, as I, as I say, I think we're going into an age of Aquarius beginning on the 21st. 
<laughs> Perfect. So uh, do you feel like you found your life's purpose with all that you've accomplished in your life, being published in magazines, being on TV shows, you know, being a medium? What Do you feel like you found your life's purpose with the psychic mediumship? The media part is fine because I like being able to talk about it, maybe normalizing psychic and mediumship and that there is more to life than just this, you know, concrete world that we can see, feel and touch and connecting loved ones, you know, with their loved ones on the other side. I like that part of sharing that on the media, but that's not the end goal. For me, it's about... um, the healing aspects of this, the healing work that this can bring. So I definitely think this is my soul's purpose. This time in my life, I think things are shifting right now for me, more into getting the message out there about this and normalizing it um, and helping people in that way, rather than just, you know, for the sake of being in the media, like you want to have that platform to share, to share and to share your knowledge. So um, where can everybody connect with you and reach out to you? They can go out to my website, which is medium Annie with an IE Larson with an R and an O.com. So medium Annie Larson.com. Perfect. Well, I want to thank you for joining me today, Miss Annie. And for everybody else, you can always like and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Um, If you like any bonus content, you can sign up for a membership on my Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash vibe selection. Or if you like any vibe selection uh, merchandise, you can grab that at www.patreon.com teespring.com slash vibe selection. Stay safe, stay healthy, and tune in again for next week's episode. Bye. Thank you for joining Vibe Selection with Kyra. Come vibe out with us again next time and hear the latest on today's hot topics. Find us on Instagram at I am Kyra Mahoney or donate at www.patreon.com slash vibe selection.